Hello and welcome to the First Stand Football Show. I am your host, Tobias Brown. And folks, we are back with another jam-packed episode today. We have got a lot to cover. The NFL has kept us busy with plenty of moves. And I want to start with arguably the biggest move of the entire offseason. Quarterback Deshaun Watson is on the move. He goes from the Houston Texans to the Cleveland Browns. The Browns give up a first-round pick in 2022, a first-round pick in 2023, and a first-round pick in 2024, as well as a third-round pick in 2023 and two fourth-round picks in 2022 and 2024, respectively. They get Watson and a sixth-round pick in 2024. So the Browns, three first-round picks, a third-round pick, and two fourth-round picks to bring in Deshaun Watson. And then on top of that, the Browns give Watson a five-year contract worth $230 million fully guaranteed. It is the largest fully guaranteed deal in NFL history, breaking the previous record by $80 million. So we've got to digest that. That is a ton of picks. It's a ton of money. But before we get into all of that, digesting that contract, digesting the trade, we got to address the elephant in the room. And that is the off-field allegations currently being levied against Deshaun Watson. I will tell you guys, I am not a lawyer. I am not a legal expert. I'm not here to litigate the allegations. I'm not here to give you my opinion on them. But we would be remiss when talking about Deshaun Watson's football situation if we didn't at least address the allegations. Watson is currently facing 22 civil lawsuits for sexual misconduct. Watson was had charges brought against him by two different grand juries. Both grand juries declined to indict Watson on any charges. So at this time, he is not facing any criminal charges. However, he is facing 22 civil lawsuits for sexual misconduct. Of course, that is going to impact Watson's availability on the field. Even if Watson is found not liable in all 22 civil lawsuits, the NFL can still bring down a suspension. It would be similar to what they did against Ezekiel Elliott when he was facing domestic assault allegations. Elliott was not found No charges were ever brought against Elliott, no civil lawsuit, nothing of the kind, yet Elliott still faced a six-game suspension. So don't be surprised if Deshaun Watson is still suspended for these allegations. Looking, though, at the trade specifically, the Cleveland Browns obviously felt they needed to upgrade at quarterback. We heard all the talk about they want an adult at quarterback. They were only going to move on from Baker if they got an elite-level QB. Deshaun Watson is definitely a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield on the field. There's no question about it. If you look at it statistically, if you look at the play on the field, Watson's the better player. But is Watson moving the needle for the Browns that much? If you look at the current Browns roster, what they have on their roster, does this move make them Super Bowl contenders? And I don't think it does. I don't think the current Browns are Super Bowl contenders. You know, you look at their wide receiver room, they brought in wide receiver Amari Cooper in a trade with the Dallas Cowboys. They signed free agent Jakeem Grant, but Grant is more of just a punt and kick returner. He's not really a wide receiver threat in the passing game. So if you look at their wide receiver room, you got Amari Cooper, you got Jakeem Grant, you've got Donovan Peoples-Jones and Anthony Schwartz. That wide receiver room is not a top 10 wide receiver room in the NFL. It might be somewhere between 20 and 25 if you actually look at the other receiving rooms around the league. So the Browns have a pretty poor wide receiver room. They lose starting tight end Austin Hooper due to a cap casualty. 
That one you can live with a little bit, given the fact that you have David Njoku, you have Harrison Bryant, but that is going to affect the passing game of the Cleveland Browns. You look, they had to cut center J.C. Treader. How does that affect the offensive line, which has been one of the better offensive lines in football? How does that affect the running game when you cut your longtime anchor, your center, J.C. Treader? They still have holes in the interior defensive line. The interior of the defensive line has not gotten better. They brought in former first-round pick Taven Bryan on a one-year prove-it deal, but the reason Taven Bryan had to take a one-year prove-it deal is because his play has been abysmal since coming into the league. So does that move the needle at all as far as the defense goes? In my opinion, no, it doesn't. They still need to add depth to the secondary. Greg Newsom had a good rookie year, but is he going to be able to continue to build on that? Greedy Williams has been often injured and not reliable. Denzel Ward, you know what you have there, but what do you have opposite him? At this point, you look at the linebacker room, Jeremiah Wusu koromoa again, very solid rookie year. You hope he continues to build off it. They bring back linebacker Anthony Walker, who's played decent for them, but you'd like to see them maybe look to upgrade in that linebacker position. To me, if I'm the Browns, there's still a lot of holes here. I don't think Deshaun Watson in and of himself makes them Super Bowl contenders. Now, like we talked about, more than likely Watson's going to be suspended for a decent amount of this upcoming season. That's why they did trade backup quarterback Case Keenum to the Buffalo Bills for a seventh-round pick. That tells me you had to get a more affordable backup quarterback. Keenum was on a three-year, $18 million deal, and they did just that. They brought in backup quarterback Jacoby Brissett, the former New England Patriot, Indianapolis Colt, Miami Dolphin. They bring him in on a one-year, $4.65 million deal. So the Browns addressing that backup quarterback spot. The Watson trade, though, to me, I like I said, I don't think it makes the Browns Super Bowl contenders. I actually think, in my opinion, given the current roster makeup the Browns have, unless they make drastic moves at wide receiver or interior defensive line, the Browns are not winning a Super Bowl with Deshaun Watson in this roster. They're just not. You look at the rest of the AFC, the Cincinnati Bengals got better fixing their offensive line. They didn't lose any key free agents. You look at the Baltimore Ravens, they've gotten healthy. Lamar Jackson's back. Marcus Peters is back. Marlon Humphrey's back. The running back room is healthy with J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. And the Ravens addressed several needs. They addressed their pass defense, bringing in safety Marcus Williams from New Orleans. They addressed right tackle, bringing in Morgan Moses to help fill the void that Orlando Brown had left. I mean, the Ravens got better. You look at the AFC West. The Chargers are a better football team than they were last year. The Las Vegas Raiders are a better football team than they were last year. The Miami Dolphins are a better football team than they were last year. Same with the Denver Broncos. The Cleveland Browns are in a gauntlet of the AFC. The AFC is what the Western Conference used to be in the NBA. So, no, I don't think the Cleveland Browns in their current iteration are winning a Super Bowl. And I think the Browns may have mortgaged too much to get Deshaun Watson. You think about the holes they have. We've talked about wide receiver. we talked about interior defensive line. You can't address any of those in the draft with a first-round pick for the next three years. You don't have a first-round pick for the next three years to address any of those things. And this was a draft that they could have gotten a very talented, elite, young wide receiver, which is what they need. They need low-cost, elite players when you have guys like Amari Cooper with his large contract, Deshaun Watson with the large contract he just got. And I understand the salary cap is a myth in the NFL. You can, you know, adjust it however you want. You can do cap gymnastics. We've seen the Browns have already done it with Amari Cooper, offloading a lot of what should have been his salary this season into a signing bonus to create more cap room for them. But the issue is, is you can only do that so much. As evidenced with the Green Bay Packers, they tried to do this as well this offseason when they gave Aaron Rodgers his large contract extension. 
And in the process, they had to cut a very good defensive player in Zadarius Smith. So we've seen that you can only do cap gymnastics so much before you have to start cutting very talented football players. To me, Browns, you're not a Super Bowl team yet. Deshaun Watson makes you a better football team from the quarterback position, but you're not a Super Bowl team. They have another issue as well, though, and it's not just, you know, hey, we have Deshaun Watson, but how do we fix the rest of the roster? It's what do we do with Baker Mayfield now? You know, they picked up Baker Mayfield's fifth-year option, so he's on a one-year $18.85 million fully guaranteed contract. What are you doing with Baker Mayfield? Because nobody wants him in a trade right now. The Browns, it was reported they initially thought they could get a first-round pick for Baker Mayfield in a trade. I'm not sure where they got that idea from. Um, I think that's wishful thinking if you're Cleveland. But at this point, now there's reports that teams who are interested in Mayfield, they want a draft pick on top of Mayfield for having to take on that contract. So the Browns may be stuck with Baker Mayfield. And in that instance, what are you doing? I mean... You're not going to keep him on the roster. You're not going to have him, Deshaun Watson, and Jacoby Brissett paying the quarterback position that kind of money. I understand Watson's cap hits only a million dollars next year, but are you really going to try and keep Baker Mayfield on the roster when, by all reports, Baker Mayfield's more than willing to sit out to not play in a Cleveland Browns uniform anymore? I'm not so sure that the Browns didn't, in the process of bringing in Deshaun Watson, absolutely tank any trade market they could have potentially had for a Baker Mayfield. Really, it was a poorly handled move from the Browns' standpoint. Look at the Houston Texans. I mean, this is great for them. You get three first-round picks the next you know, three years. You get the third-round pick, the two fours. You're able to rebuild at a much quicker pace. You have Davis Mills, third-round pick out of Stanford this past year. Played very good football. You now have pick three and pick 13 in the upcoming draft. So feasibly, you could address either the offensive line, defensive end, at pick three, and then at pick 13, you could get an elite wide receiver to pair with Nico Collins and Brandon Cooks. I really like what the Houston Texans were able to get in exchange for Deshaun Watson. Looking, though, at some other trades that have gone on, we got to talk about Matt Ryan. You know, the Atlanta Falcons were a finalist for Deshaun Watson. They didn't get Watson, and then there was rumors, well, are they going to bring Matt Ryan back? Will Matt Ryan come back? Ryan decided at this point he felt that his time in Atlanta had come to an end. It was time to move on. He kind of pushed for a trade. He goes to Indianapolis. The Colts give up a third-round pick to bring Matt Ryan in. I think it's a great move from the Indianapolis Colts' perspective. Great idea to give up a third-round pick for a future Hall of Famer, a former league MVP. You put him behind a very solid offensive line. I think this is an upgrade for the Indianapolis Colts, obviously over what they had on the roster currently in Sam Ellinger, but also what they rolled out at quarterback last year in Carson Wentz. I think it's a great move for the Indianapolis Colts. For the Atlanta Falcons, it signifies that this is a team who has embraced the idea of rebuilding. This is a team that is going to have to rebuild, whether it's Calvin Ridley facing his year suspension for gambling, now no Matt Ryan. You take on the $40 million cap hit just to get a, a third-round pick. That tells me Atlanta has decided they're going to rebuild. They're going to hopefully be in the QB market in next year's draft. They brought in Marcus Mariota on a two-year deal to replace Matt Ryan. That is an interesting move in the sense that Mariota's former offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith, is now the current head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. So maybe hoping that the familiarity will bring out some better play in Marcus Mariota. He's been a backup the last couple of years with the Raiders. If I look at the Colts, though, now that you have Matt Ryan, the Colts still have a lot of holes. You look, they also made a trade to bring in defensive end Yannick Ngakwe from the Las Vegas Raiders. They send former second-round corner Rakia Sin 
to the Raiders in exchange for Ngakwe. Helps that pass rush. We've talked about the Colts' pass rush needing to upgrade. They had spent draft capital last year bringing in first-round pick Quiddy Pay out of Michigan and second-round pick Deo Adengbo out of Vanderbilt. But bringing in a proven veteran pass rusher like Yannick Ngakwe, I like. However, you still have holes at left tackle. Doesn't sound like Eric Fisher will be back. You also lost starting guard Mark Lewinsky when he signed with the New York Giants. So you've got holes on the offensive line. And then at wide receiver, you lose Zach Paschal, who was a rotational receiver. He signs with the Philadelphia Eagles. So what do you have opposite Michael Pittman Jr.? T.Y. Hilton's still a free agent. He has not re-signed with the Colts. Will he re-sign with the Colts at this point? You'll get some of the wide receivers who have signed. Allen Robinson goes to the Rams. We saw the Rams trade Robert Woods to the Titans there. So those are two wide receivers who are not available. DJ Chark takes a one-year prove-it deal with the Detroit Lions. He's no longer available what are the Colts going to be able to bring in? There are several big-name free agents still available at the wide receiver position, whether it's Jarvis Landry, Odo Beckham Jr., but the one name I think Colts fans need to be interested in and potentially look out for is Julio Jones. Julio obviously has experience playing with Matt Ryan. They spent several seasons in Atlanta together. Could Julio Jones go to Indianapolis and maybe reignite his career? Obviously, Last year was a disappointment with the Tennessee Titans. He gets released by them this offseason. Could Julio look to some familiarity with Matt Ryan in Indianapolis? That could be a very interesting move from the Colts. I also think the secondary there in Indianapolis still has some work to do to get better. Kenny Moore has been good for them, but outside of Kenny Moore, it's been a lot of you know question marks in that secondary. So Indy still has some work to do. I want to talk about those other wide receiver moves we alluded to Allen Robinson like we said he goes to Los Angeles on a three-year deal with the Rams the Rams are I just I don't think when we talk about the salary cap not being real in the NFL the Rams are proof of it they have Aaron Donald they have Cooper Cup they have Matthew Stafford all locked up on these big deals and then they're able to go get a premier free agent in Allen Robinson now like we said they did have to trade wide receiver Robert Woods and him coming off a torn ACL really hindered any trade market for him so they end up only getting a sixth round pick back from the titans i think robinson fits what the rams do very well i think he and cooper cup together is a scary thought you also have the emergence of van jefferson the former florida gator i really like and then also what is former second round pick tutu atwell the former louisville cardinal will he have a bigger role I think this move shows me that Sean McVay saw guys like Ben Skoranek playing wide receiver for him last year and said, I can't do that again. I got to go get another elite receiver to pair with Cooper Cup. Really like the move for the Rams. If you're the Titans, though, you have to love the move for the Rams as well because you get Robert Woods because of this move. Obviously, bringing in Robinson, there was no more room for Robert Woods on the Rams roster, so they trade Woods to the Titans, and the Titans now have a legitimate wide receiver, too, to pair with A.J. Brown. You've got a legitimate wide receiver, too. Get rid of Julio. Now we just got to address wide receiver three at this point. The Titans, though, are also able to bring in a legit tight end. They get Austin Hooper. We talked about Hooper getting cut by the Cleveland Browns. The Titans go and scoop him up on the free agent market one year, $6 million. That's a big deal because the Titans last year were playing guys like Jeff Swaim at tight end since losing Jonu Smith. So the Titans bring in a couple offensive weapons. You hope maybe this will help Ryan Tannehill and get Ryan Tannehill back to some sort of you know, relevancy at his quarterback position. Looking, though, at some other moves, we got to talk about the other wide receivers on the move. 
because the Miami Dolphins have decided that they are going to give Tua Tagovailoa every chance to succeed. You know, we hear that Tyree Kill is being allowed to seek a trade, and you start to think, why would the Chiefs ever let Tyree Kill go? What are the Chiefs thinking letting a guy like Tyree Kill walk? And then all of a sudden it comes out, he is being traded. He is going to the Miami Dolphins. Tyree Kill has been traded to the Dolphins for a first-round pick this year, a second-round pick this year, a fourth-round pick this year, and a fourth- and sixth-round pick next year. And then on top of that, the Dolphins give him a four-year, $120 million contract extension with $72.2 million guaranteed. I mean, that is absurd. They just gave Tyree Kill quarterback money. I mean, I love the move if you're the Dolphins in the sense that you have Jalen Waddle on a rookie deal, you have Mike Gisecki there, you have Devontae Parker there, you just brought in Cedric Wilson, the former Dallas Cowboy, you brought in Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert at the running back position, you fixed left tackle by bringing in Teron Armstead on a massive contract, you brought in guard Connor Williams to help upgrade the offensive line, you are going all in. It is now or never for Tua Tagovailoa. If he can't succeed with this offense, he's not an NFL quarterback. If he cannot succeed with this offense, if he comes out and looks lethargic, he's only throwing for 150 yards like he did this past year, if he's not pushing the ball downfield with having Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill on his roster, get Tua out of there. He's not the guy. If I'm the Kansas City Chiefs, I understand that Tyreek Hill was not willing to re-sign. I understand that you couldn't get a long-term deal for him. But this spells trouble for the Kansas City Chiefs. You look at their current wide receiver core. Because they also lost Byron Pringle. you got to remember, they got guys, Juju Smith-Schuster is now wide receiver one. you got guys like Josh Gordon at wide receiver. It's, it's not a good wide receiver core. It's not. And I think losing Tyreek Hill is a massive blow to Patrick Mahomes' play. When you look at Patrick Mahomes, one of the things he does better than any other QB in the NFL is throwing on the run, avoiding the rush, and doing things like throwing across his body, these no-look passes. And a lot of time they're caught by Tyreek Hill because Tyreek Hill has elite speed and elite elusiveness that allows him to get himself open when Mahomes starts doing the scramble drill. Now that Hill is gone, this could severely hinder Mahomes' ability to do that. I, I legitimately think the Kansas City Chiefs are in danger of not making the playoffs next year. You look at the AFC West. The Los Angeles Chargers brought back key free agents. They also went out and upgraded their defense in a massive way with guys like J.C. Jackson, guys like Khalil Mack. The Chargers are legit. The Las Vegas Raiders went out and got themselves a legit weapon for Derek Carr and Devontae Adams, trading with the Green Bay Packers to bring Devontae Adams in, locking him up on a long-term extension. They've now got Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, that running back room of Kenyon Drake, Josh Jacobs. The Raiders are a much-improved football team. The Raiders also brought in defensive end Chandler Jones. That pass rush with Jones and Max Crosby is legit. They brought in former second-round pick Rakia Sin at corner. You now have Rakia Sin and Nate Hobbs, that secondary, moving in the right direction. The Raiders are a much better football team. The Denver Broncos, Russell Wilson, Randy Gregory on that defensive line to go opposite Bradley Chubb. You were able to trade for Russell Wilson without having to give up a star receiver like a Jerry Judy or a Cortland Sutton or a Tim Patrick. You get to keep all of those guys with Russell Wilson. 
The Broncos are a much improved football team. I could see the Kansas City Chiefs only winning eight or nine games next year and missing the playoffs because it's not just the loss of Tyreek Hill. You also have to think Tyron Matthew more than likely not re-signing. You replace him with safety Justin Reed, but that's a clear downgrade. That is a clear downgrade for the Kansas City Chiefs. And you look at what the Chiefs got back for Tyreek Hill. I know the first round pick, the second round pick, those are very nice draft choices. But when you look more closely, that first round pick that the Chiefs got back for Tyreek Hill, that's pick 29. That's the end of the first round. So you're not going to be in position to replace Hill with a Chris Olave, a Garrett Wilson. Those elite wide receivers are already going to be taken. You got picked 29 and 30 in the first round. The only way that I think the Chiefs are able to get an elite level wide receiver is if they package those two picks to move up which then, do I like the idea of trading two first-round picks for a wide receiver? No, not really. The Chiefs could be in trouble here. Looking at some of those other deals, though, that we've alluded to, we got to talk about the Las Vegas Raiders. They, like we said, have gone all-in to be a better football team, bringing in Chandler Jones, bringing in Devontae Adams. I really think the Raiders, I mean, look, they made the playoffs last year with everything that went on with John Gruden, with Henry Ruggs, with Damon Arnett, to still make the playoffs. They have brought in Josh McDaniels as their new head coach. They have definitely committed to Derek Carr at quarterback. When you bring in Devontae Adams and then you immediately give him a contract worth $141 million with an average salary of $28 million, that tells me you are committed to Derek Carr. They also brought in free agent wide receiver Demarcus Robinson, the former Kansas City Chief. Like we said, they brought in Chandler Jones on a three-year deal worth $52.5 million. Also bring in defensive tackle Vernon Butler. I love a lot of the moves that the Las Vegas Raiders are doing. They're really they're bolstering the defense, which was needed because that defense was atrocious at times last year. The secondary in particular was bad, and they looked to fix it, bringing in Anthony Everett, Rocky Sin, and Deron Harmon, the former New England Patriot as well. So I love the moves they're doing on defense. Obviously, the Devontae Adams move, I think that is going to bring out the best in Derek Carr. Devontae Adams and Derek Carr were former college teammates at Fresno State. I really think the Raiders, I know everybody is looking at the Los Angeles Chargers as the favorites in the AFC West, given the roster they have. Don't sleep on this Raiders team. This Raiders team, I would still like to see them address the offensive line a little bit. would like to see them do maybe something at either guard or right tackle. But this Raiders team is a much improved football team from a year ago. I want to go through some of the other moves that we've seen. Just go through some of these rosters and hit on some moves. you got to start with the Cincinnati Bengals. They lost the Super Bowl last year. They, we talked about in the last episode. They bring in Alex Kappa. They bring in Ted Karras. But since then, they also signed right tackle Lyle Collins on a three-year deal, the former Dallas Cowboy. That is a huge move. We talked about Joe Burrow sacked 70 times last year in the regular season and playoffs combined, third most in NFL history. Bringing in Lyle Collins, a huge move for the Cincinnati Bengals. They, we talked about losing C.J. Uzama, the tight end. He signed with the Jets. They replaced Uzama, though, with Hayden Hurst, the former first-round pick of the Baltimore Ravens, who spent this past year with the Atlanta Falcons. Really like bringing in Hayden Hurst on a one-year deal. It's a low-cost contract, a very good football player. I like the moves Cincinnati is making. They are they're not massive moves. None of these linemen were the top offensive linemen available, but they were all very quality offensive linemen, very good football players. They're making moves to not only stay relevant, but also improve drastically. You look at the Buffalo Bills. We talked about in the last episode how much I loved the Bills bringing in J.D. McKissick. Well, McKissick 
He flopped on that. He decided he's not going to Buffalo. He goes back to Washington on the same two-year, $7 million deal. So the Bills bring in running back Duke Johnson, the former Cleveland Brown and Houston Texan. Again, love the move because Johnson has that receiving back element, that elusive back that the Bills need. I think it will bring out even another level of Josh Allen. I like bringing in Case Keenum as your backup quarterback. You know, you lose Mitchell Trubisky as the backup. He obviously goes to Pittsburgh, a chance to start. You bring in Case Keenum, though. That's a proven veteran, and it's a good locker room guy for Josh Allen to continue to grow and develop with. They also brought in wide receiver Jamison Crowder. I think that's a good move given the fact they had to release Cole Beasley and then also more than likely not going to be re-signing wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders. Bringing in a guy like Jamison Crowder is a solid wide receiver three behind Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis. I look at some of their other moves. We've talked about the offensive line, the defensive line, but the big one to me is linebacker Von Miller. Six years, $120 million. That is a massive deal. I'd, if you would have told me at the start of free agency that the Buffalo Bills would go all in on Von Miller, I would not have believed you at all. It looked all signs were pointing that Von Miller may be on his way back to either the Rams or reuniting with Denver. Out of nowhere, Buffalo just gives him a contract he can't refuse. This is a massive move because the Bills are going to lose guys like Jerry Hughes on that pass rush. They already lost defensive tackle Harrison Phillips. He went to Minnesota. So the Bills had to replenish the pass rush. You do it in a massive way with Von Miller. You still have guys like A.J. Epinesa, the former Iowa Hawkeye there. I really like this move for the Buffalo Bills. Keeps the defense relevant, keeps the defense very strong, and it brings in a veteran pass rusher to get after some of these young quarterbacks in the AFC East, whether it's Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, or Tua Tugavailoa. Looking at some of these other teams, though, the New England Patriots, they, again, have stayed quiet. It's a lot of re-signing guys, re-signing Jawan Bentley, the linebacker, re-signing offensive tackle Trent Brown. They brought in running back Ty Montgomery, the former wide receiver turned running back, Small move there, nothing crazy with the New England Patriots. The Jets, again, we've talked about a lot of the moves that I already liked in the last episode, whether it was C.J. Uzama, whether it was re-signing Braxton Berrios, Lakin Tomlinson, the guard. Nothing crazy with the Jets. We talked about the Ravens, what they've done, what I liked. One thing, though, to keep in mind with the Ravens is it looked like they had brought back pass rusher Zadarius Smith. It looked like they had agreed on a three-year deal. But Smith walks out on that deal. He says, no, I'm not going to take that deal. And he signs with the Minnesota Vikings. That is a very interesting move because the Vikings already have a legit pass rusher in Daniil Hunter. You put Zadarius Smith opposite Daniil Hunter. I really like that move for the Vikings. I was critical of how the Vikings were doing their offseason when they prioritized bringing in guys like interior defensive lineman Harrison Phillips and linebacker Jordan Hicks. But going and getting a Zadarius Smith is a big move for the Minnesota Vikings. I'd still like to see them address that secondary. Would love to see them bring in some talented corner play. So we'll see what the Vikings can do there. Green Bay, we talked about it. You lose Devontae Adams. He gets traded to the Las Vegas Raiders. You also just lost wide receiver Marquez Valdez Scantling. Scantling signs with the Kansas City Chiefs on a three-year, $30 million contract. So your wide receiver room is looking pretty rough. You got guys like Alan Lazard, who's played well in a complimentary receiver role. Then you got guys like Amari Rogers, the former Clemson Tiger. His wide receiver room needs some help. We've talked about the wide receivers available. It'll be interesting to see what Green Bay is able to attract, if anything. The Chicago Bears, their big signing of the offseason was Larry Ogunjobi, bringing him in on that three-year, $40 million deal. 
But then it, we hear that Ogunjobi is not coming to the Bears because he failed a physical with a foot injury. So now Ogunjobi is not coming to the Bears. The Bears have still made some signings, you know, some smaller signings, whether it was bringing in wide receiver Byron Pringle, the former Kansas City Chief. They bring in wide receiver Equinamius St. Brown, the former Green Bay Packer. They bring in backup quarterback Trevor Simeon, who has started games for Denver and New Orleans to back up Justin Fields. So just some small signings there for the Chicago Bears. We've got a couple other signings that I just wanted to talk to you guys about. You know, a lot of these teams, it's small signings at this point. A lot of your big guys are off the board. A lot of, you know, there's still some big names available, but I wanted to hit on that Marcus Mariota move with the Atlanta Falcons because the Falcons have done some things I like this offseason. You know, they bring back running back wide receiver extraordinaire Cordero Patterson. They lock up Jake Matthews, their offensive tackle in a long-term deal. They also, though, brought in corner Casey Hayward, which I like given the emergence of cornerback A.J. Terrell. This is a move in the right direction for that defense. They also bring in linebacker Lorenzo Carter, who is more of a pass rush specialist with the New York Giants. like that move as it is going to be paramount that the Falcons improve that defensive line in that pass rush. But the Mariota move is something I want to talk about in particular. Mariota is going to only earn $6.75 million in 2022. So this is a prove-it deal for Marcus Mariota, a chance for him to start. The only other quarterbacks currently on the roster for the Falcons are Felipe Franks, the former Florida Gator and Arkansas Razorback, and then Josh Rosen, the former first-round pick of the Arizona Cardinals. So this is a tailor-made opportunity for Marcus Mariota to start. I look for the Falcons to still be in the quarterback market, and that's why I wanted to talk about this, because we've seen pro days now from some of the top quarterbacks, whether it was Kenny Pickett of Pitt, whether it's Malik Willis of Liberty or Matt Corral of Ole Miss, we've seen their pro days, and we've seen them all do very impressive things. I also, you know, Desmond Ritter, the Cincinnati Bearcat, he did some very impressive things at his pro day as well. And, you know, when we had talked initially about this draft class, the thing that kept, you know, being talked about was the fact that this draft class is not good. It's not a good draft class. You know, nobody's going to, you know, go in the top 10. I'm here to tell you, I think Malik Willis is going in the top 10. I think Malik Willis could go in the top five. You know, I thought, would Atlanta take Malik Willis at six? I'm not sure Malik Willis will be there at six now. I think a guy like Malik Willis could end up going number two to the Detroit Lions. And I know that sounds crazy given the fact that the Detroit Lions have Jared Goff and his large contract already on the books, and the Lions have a ton of other holes. But the reason I say that I could see Malik Willis going number two overall to the Detroit Lions is because... Aiden Hutchinson, the defensive end at Michigan, he is almost a lock at this point, in my opinion, to go to the Jacksonville Jaguars at number one overall. If he goes number one overall, who else are the Lions going to take it to? You're not taking safety Kyle Hamilton at two. That's way too high to take a safety. You're not taking a corner at two, given the fact that you just drafted corner Jeff Okuda in the top five recently. You don't really need offensive tackle. You know, there are several good offensive tackles in this draft, whether it's Ika McQuanu from NC State, whether it's Evan Neal from Alabama or Charles Cross from Mississippi State, but you don't really need a tackle at two, given the fact that you have Taylor Decker and Penny Sewell there already. What are you taking? You're not taking a wide receiver that high. You've addressed the wide receiver position somewhat, bringing in DJ Chark to go opposite Amon Ra St. Brown. So what else do you need at that point if you're Detroit? Obviously, you, Jared Goff's not a long-term answer at quarterback. Malik Willis is a special talent. 
He's got the traits. He's got the tools. He's got the ability. That running ability cannot be overstated. It is legit. The arm is massive. The issue with Malik Willis is accuracy and decision-making. And if he can come into Detroit, if he gets picked number two overall, he does not have to start right away. He can come in and sit behind Jared Goff and mature, learn the NFL, learn the ropes, and then start. I think Malik Willis to Detroit makes a ton of sense at two. I also think, like I said, Malik Willis to Atlanta at, at eight makes a ton of sense. He can come in, sit behind Marcus Mariota. Another team I think could be in on a Malik Willis is the Carolina Panthers. The Carolina Panthers have missed on every quarterback they've tried to go after this offseason. Missed on Russell Wilson. They missed on Deshaun Watson. They have to get a quarterback, and I'm not sure that they're going to pay big for Jimmy Garoppolo, given the fact that they also have Sam Darnold on that fifth-year option of $18.85 million. I could see the Carolina Panthers drafting a Malik Willis if he's available at six. I could also see the Carolina Panthers taking a Kenny Pickett in the first round and sitting him behind a Sam Darnold and letting either of those guys just get used to the NFL. I think this quarterback class, the narrative is changing on them. I think we're going to see two, maybe three quarterbacks go in the top 10. I think we're going to see potentially the Detroit Lions take a quarterback. I would not be surprised if we see Atlanta and Carolina take quarterbacks. I also would not rule out the Seattle Seahawks taking a quarterback with their first-round pick that they acquired from Denver, that being pick nine. Right now, Drew Locke's on the roster. He's your starting quarterback. You obviously do not want Drew Locke being the only option at quarterback. Are they going to trade for Baker Mayfield? Are they willing to pay Baker that that money that he's going to be owed on that fifth-year option? If not... Quarterback at pick nine is a legit option for the Seattle Seahawks. So it'll be interesting to see where do these quarterbacks fall. I think the quarterbacks I have going in the first round at this point, Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, I think Desmond Ritter may have played himself into the first round. I also would not rule out a Sam Howell as well going in the first round. Those are the big free agent signings I wanted to talk with you guys about. Looking at some of the guys still available, I want to update you guys on some of the guys who are still available because there's a lot of really talented free agents still available. We've talked about the wide receivers, whether it's Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, Julio Jones, still a number of very talented wide receivers available. But there's other players who can still make an impact for teams. Rob Gronkowski is an interesting one. We just assumed that Rob Gronkowski would re-sign as soon as it came out that Tom Brady was coming back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but Gronk is still available. I would assume that Gronk, if Gronk goes anywhere, it's coming, it's going back to Tampa Bay. Gronk's not going to sign. I know there was rumors, could Gronk go to, you know, could he go to Cincinnati? Could he go to Buffalo? I think if Gronk goes anywhere, he's going to re-sign with Tampa Bay. But at this point, he's still available. So that is an interesting one to keep in mind. You know, there's outside of the wide receiver position, there's not a ton of guys that I'm still like, cool, you know, that's a big name. But there is guys like St- uh, Stephon Gilmore, the former defensive player of the year, corner, former New England Patriot, was traded to Carolina this past year. Stephon Gilmore still available. That is a big name, a potential, you know, if you are a cornerback needy team, Stephon Gilmore is 
is a guy. He's, he's definitely going to make things happen. Safety Tyron Matthew is still available, the former Kansas City Chiefs. There's growing belief he could end up in Pittsburgh. That would be massive, pairing Tyron Matthew with Aminka Fitzpatrick. You got linebacker Bobby Wagner still available. There's been reports that Dallas is interested in a Bobby Wagner. We've seen the Rams interested in a Bobby Wagner. Where could he end up? Akeem Hicks, the defensive tackle. If you were a team who needs interior defensive line help, a team like the Cleveland Browns, Akeem Hicks is a massive guy to bring in. You got guys like offensive tackle Dwayne Brown, teams who need O-line help, that would be a massive get. Jadavian Clowney, the former number one overall pick, he is still available. There's reports that Cleveland's working to bring him back, but as of right now, Jadavian Clowney is available for teams who need pass rush help. So there's a lot of names, you know, just going through this list. We saw Derek Barnett. He just resigned with the Philadelphia Eagles. He's no longer available. But Edge Melvin Ingram is available. Melvin Ingram took a one-year deal last year with Pittsburgh, was traded during the season to Kansas City, and really reignited the Kansas City pass rush. He is another guy. These pass rush needy teams, I think of a team like the Atlanta Falcons, could be a nice get for them. Patrick Peterson, the veteran corner, is also still available. I wouldn't be opposed to a team like the Cincinnati Bengals, or the Cleveland Browns, bringing in a guy like Patrick Peterson for depth purposes, but also just a veteran present in that corner room. You know, you look at guys like offensive tackle Eric Fisher still being available. Fisher, you know, former longtime starter in Kansas City, spent this last year with the Indianapolis Colts. Again, teams who need tackle help, teams who need offensive line help, a guy like Eric Fisher would fit really well with a team like the Las Vegas Raiders. We talked about the Raiders making a lot of moves to improve, but right tackle is still a position of need for them. I would love to see the Raiders bring in a better right tackle than Brandon Parker. I know Eric Fisher has played primarily left tackle, but I do believe he has the ability to play right tackle as well. You look at guys like Jaquiski Tart, the former 49ers safety, Kareem Jackson, former safety for the Denver Broncos, also still available. So there are guys available, whether it's a Calais Campbell as well. These guys may not necessarily move the needle exponentially for your team next season. They may not, you know, be what puts you, you know, in Super Bowl contention just signing these guys. But teams who are, you know, they're a couple pieces away. You know, we talked about the Cleveland Browns and how this current roster is not a Super Bowl contender. If the Cleveland Browns are able to bring back a Jarvis Landry and a Jadavian Clowney, and then they go get a Patrick Peterson or they go get a Calais Campbell on that defensive line, it's a different conversation then. That's a much different conversation on if the Browns are Super Bowl contenders. You look at a team like the Kansas City Chiefs, and we talked about how losing Tyreek Hill is a massive blow. If they can bring in a wide receiver like an Odell Beckham Jr., and then maybe bring in another wide receiver like a Jarvis Landry, if they could bring back an Evan, a Melvin Ingram, if they could go get a corner like a Patrick Peterson, those are moves in the right direction for the Kansas City Chiefs. We talked about Las Vegas and how I think Eric Fisher would be a good fit there. I also think a tackle like Riley Reef would be a good move for the Las Vegas Raiders. Again, it's just not having Brandon Parker starting. You look at the Baltimore Ravens, pass rush, pass rush, pass rush. you got to fix the pass rush. You missed out on Zadarius Smith. You move on. A guy like Arden Key, the former San Francisco 49er, would be a big move for the Baltimore Ravens. Would love to see them get a guy like that. And then you look at a guy like A.J. Green, the former Cincinnati Bengals, spent this past year in Arizona. Teams who need wide receiver help, a team like New England, could they take a move on an A.J. Green? Would A.J. Green go to a team like New England? 
there are still guys available who can impact your team. It'll be interesting to see where some of these dominoes fall as free agency continues to sort itself out. But that's all we've got for you guys today. We will be back either Monday or Tuesday of next week, updating you guys on all these free agency moves. And I'm going to give you guys in the next episode my favorite and least favorite move for every NFL team this offseason. But like I said, that's all we've got for you guys today. Like I always tell you guys, rate, subscribe, and review to the podcast. We'll be back next week. Until then, we'll see you guys later. Have a good one.